Thank you, Father, that you've resolved in yourself, man, to create us in the image of what we see in the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Thank you, Father, uh, that you, you come and, and, and drew near to us to lift us up out of the miry clay and to exalt our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us today, that your Holy Spirit is in each one of us, guiding us into the truth. Thank you that your Holy Spirit um, is with all of us, washing our conscience clean from the old and filling our conscience with the new and saturating um, our steps as we walk in this earth um, with your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Um, so Happy New Year, everyone. Um, it's the, the year of the grace of our Lord, 2022. When we say it's the year of our Lord, we don't want to forget about the grace, right? Because that's what it means. It means that, uh, man, the year 2022 is saturated with the grace of our God or the strength that is contained in his life. So welcome to the year of the grace of our Lord, 2022. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit about New Year's um, and, and what the holiday is supposed to be about. Because something I find, listen, we're good at, at, at um, observing holidays, right? But the thing we're good at observing about is the party, <laughs> right? We're good at having a party on the holiday. And I'm not, I'm not despising anybody for the party. But while we're having the party, man, we don't want to lose sight of what these things are actually about. Right. And what they're actually trying to declare, because there is um, a remembrance, a reminding that is included in the holidays that that is designed to fill us with God's life. Right. And so there's a reason why we commemorate holidays. There's a reason why we observe holidays. And it isn't just to have a party. It isn't just to open presents. It isn't just to uh, drink and be merry. It isn't just to gain 15 pounds in the month of December. Right. Um, I gained 15 pounds in the month of December, and magically, I think I already lost like 10. Hallelujah. Glory to God, man. I'm so happy for that. <laughs> Effortlessly. But the, the reason we celebrate the new year and the thing that we're doing there is we're commemorating the end of the previous year, and we're commemorating the beginning of a new year. And Ultimately, that's what holidays are about. They're not really about the party. The reason we have holidays is they're meant to stir us up. And they stir us up by reminding us of something. And we know a lot about that, right? Because we see all the time, uh, I'm probably going to butcher the cliche, but uh, we, we say all the time not to take Jesus out of Christmas, right? And we say all the time that Jesus is being lost in Christmas, right? And Christmas is becoming more about the presents and how many are we going to get and how many are we going to give and, and all those kinds of things. And, and Jesus kind of becomes a second thought when we come together and celebrate the holiday, right? And there's nothing wrong with having the gifts or any of that. I'm not like one of these people like, we got to get rid of the fun and we got to get on our knees, right? That's not what I'm trying to say. But we want to recognize that holidays are trying to stir us up by reminding us of something. And New Year's is, is no different. And if you look at the feasts and the feast days that were given to Israel, the reason they were given to them was to stir them up by reminding them of the work of God. That was the whole point, right? We're going to come together and we're going to have a party, right? And the reason we're going to be excited, the purpose that was supposed to be them being excited or the, the foundation from which they were supposed to be excited was the work of God. 
right? You see the work of God. You see the work of God to cleanse you from the wound of death that sin was serving you with. And you just feel happy, right? And you're like, oh, hallelujah, right? And it's like, man, God has provided us with the meat that is everlasting. He has provided us with the meat that does not perish, right? And you start to see that God himself has provided you a tithe. Right. And what he's done is he's called you to the place where he's placed his name so that you could feast on his work. And in feasting on his work, which is the body he prepared for Jesus to bring forth eternal life in, you could be filled with eternal life. And so the feasts were given to Israel to stir them up by reminding them of the work of God. That was the whole point. We're going to be stirred up. Listen, I don't know about you guys, but on New Year's Eve, I was stirred up. Were you stirred up? I mean, we stirred up. Let's, be, let's just be honest. What happens on New Year's Eve, every year on New Year's Eve, when it starts to become close to midnight, what do we do? We all start counting down in unison, right? And there's like a building of excitement and a building of exuberance. Ten, nine, eight, seven. And then, man, when it hits the new year, happy new year! Man, people are kissing people they don't know, slobbering on one another. Who cares about the COVID? Right, <laughs> you can slobber on me on New Year's Eve because we happy. The new year is here. The old year is gone. Right, fireworks go shouting out. I mean, we got the ball dropping in New York. I mean, listen, man, we are over the moon, over the top, excited about the new year. And so, I tried to just capture a little bit of that. I tried to save some in a bottle from my New Year's Eve, um, so, to. So we could get it, but have you guys, is it just me, or have you guys noticed how happy we are in New Year? You ever wondered why? Is it just because we're going to drink and shoot fireworks? Is it because we're going to drink and be merry for tomorrow we die? Listen, I know I'm strange. I actually think about things, right? But this past year as I was sitting around, I'm thinking, we're all so happy. And then I'm like, why are we all so happy? What is it that we're, we're all so happy about? What is it about the new year that makes us so happy? Fresh start, absolutely. And I loved what you said last week because that, that helped feed into this. There's an excitement wrapped up in the new, even just the subconscious. I mean, honestly, if, if you look at right now, today, I don't know much is different today than December 30th of 2021. I mean, just technically, right? It's the same. So what is it about the new? Why is there such an excitement wrapped up in the concept of the new for us? Because listen, there's a subconscious working of joy in our hearts over the old passing away and there being something new. There is a subconscious working of joy going on in us just from the concept of there being the new. I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a game show and they may still have it, but there was a game show called uh, The Price is Right. Um, within the, the, the uh, I don't even know what they call him, the game show host, Bob Barker, right? And Bob Barker, and, and he, he would come out there, and, and the, Bob Parker would say to Rod, you know, the voice behind the curtain, like the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> you don't see Rod, really. But uh, Bob Parker would, would say to Rod, he would say, uh, Rod, tell the contestants what we have for them today. And sometimes they would wheel out a refrigerator. And people are like, yeah, a microwave, 
okay, that's nice, right? They would re wheel out various different uh, products and items, right? But sometimes Bob Parker would say, Rod, tell the contestants what we have for them today. And Rod would say, a new car. And the people would lose their minds, a new car. I mean, seriously, they have, you can go on YouTube and find clips of people doing silly stuff, right? <laughs> Over the new car, man. They like trying to get down. And it's like, I don't know if you should be doing that in public. Maybe just do that. It kind of looks like the thing for Mad TV. Look at what I can do, <laughs> you know? And I don't know, do that behind closed doors unless you're getting paid to make a, a, a fool out of yourself. <laughs> but man, all the exuberance wrapped up in a new car. Rod never said the other things the way he said, a new car, right? He, he just didn't, right? We have a Whirlpool refrigerator, right? <laughs> okay, great, man. And so, listen, if I come and tell you I'm going to give you a used car, you could feel happy because it's still a gift. But if I come and tell you I'm giving you a new car, listen, man, your joy is running over. Right, your joy will run over in that place. And just the new, just the word new in front of the car does something. It does something to the inside of us. There's this subconscious thing with the new. And so what is it about the new? What is it about the new year that fills us with joy? Because it has deep meaning and it has deep meaning clear back to God creating everything. It's got real deep significance. There's a reason why we celebrate the new year. And we may not celebrate it the way that it was given by God, but the, even the fact that there could be a holiday or celebration comes from God, right? Come the commemoration of it. And so I, I just want to inundate you guys with some, uh, some interesting scriptural uh, facts here um, to help us connect to the new year and what it actually is declaring to us. So going forward, we can have our minds filled with the new year. But Israel rings in the new year with the feast called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. And it means the head of the year. That's what it means. And the rabbis would call it the beginning of the year or the start of the year. And they would even say, Happy New Year. That's what they would say about it. Now, the Jewish New Year is different than our New Year because it don't happen on January 1st. Their new year is not January 1st. That's not the day they celebrate the new year. They celebrate the new year in what's called Tishri 1. Tishri 1 is the day they celebrate the new year, and that's typically in September or October. And you might think, well, how can it change? Well, it can change because it's based on the moon. Okay, and the moon is different depending on the day. And so they never know exactly what day it will be till it gets close to the day and they see the moon, right? And it normally happens in September or October. In 2021, it was September 6th, I believe. I think in 2022, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be September 26th, okay? And there's a whole lot of things connected with that that speak to the new year and why we're so happy about the new year. But in Hebrew, it's called Yom Torah. And no, I did not pronounce that right because I'm, I'm like Whitey McWhite, right? Um, I do not get the Hebrew accent good. I, I can't get it. I'm like a Gentile dude, all right? Um, but Yom Torah, um, it literally, literally means day of shouting or blasting. And they would blast these trumpets, trumps, right? And you know something interesting, and I brought it up in the Bible study, something else they would do when they blasted the trumpet on Rosh Hashanah or on the head of the year is they would shout, Father, Father. They would shout, Father, Father. 
And they were looking ahead to the Day of Atonement. And you know what they're They don't know what they're saying. You want me to tell you what they're saying? They're saying, Father, restore all things. Father, deliver us from sin and death. Deliver us from the death that sin hath served us with. And you see a picture of that with Jesus on the cross. What does he cry out? Father. And what is he crying out Father for? Father, restore me to the life that I've shared with you from the beginning. And so in the new year, they're, they're celebrating the restoration of all things. And they're, they're celebrating the Father doing something to restore all things. Now listen, something else that they commemorate on the new year is that they're commemorating creation. They're actually celebrating creation on the new year. And the reason why their new year is even on that day, do you know why their new year is on that day? Because they say that's the day when God created Adam and Eve. And so they connect the new year with creation, with an act of creation and with God creating. That's what they're thinking of. They're thinking of creation. Now, when you look at the Jewish New Year, it also marked the beginning of what's called the Holy Days and what was called the Awakening to Judgment. We don't like that word, do we? You're judging me. It's like Peter said, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. I must wash your feet. And Jesus is like, unless I wash your feet, you got it. Well, Lord, wash my whole body. It's like when I... You know, it's like, no, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Hey, when I found out what judgment was, I was like, Lord, judge all of me. <laughs> right? So the Jewish year, it marked, it, they're, they're commemorating the, the beginning or the head of the year or a new year. And they're commemorating creation. Right? And they're looking to what's called the awakening of judgment. Right? And the awakening of judgment, or the high holy, high holy days, the judgment that is, is talking about, is talking about Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Okay? So when they're celebrating the new year, and they're shouting, Father, Father, their mind is filled with the coming judgment, or the coming Day of Atonement. That's what their mind is filled with, that's what they're thinking of. Okay? Now, um, I know we've got a real negative connotation associated with uh, the words judgment and the words atonement, and our minds are kind of filled with this thing that, that that's about uh, punishment, um, and it's about uh, something negative happening. But the ancient Hebrew concept of a judge is one who restores to life. It's, it's that some, the judgment is that God will show up as judge, and what he'll do is he's going to establish a righteous life for the people, for them to partake of that life. Not for them to do something to have that life, but for him to do something to serve them with a righteous life and for them just to be able to partake of that life. That's what the ancient Hebrew concept of a judge was. So the day of judgment or the day of atonement is about the restoration of all things going down. It's about everything being restored to God's original intent. And his original intent was that he could dwell with human beings in a glorified earth where there was no sin and death, and we could walk with him in glorified immortal flesh that can never taste weakness or die ever again. And so that's what the day of judgment or the day of atonement is all about, where God would come and consume death to the uttermost, 
where it's eternally destroyed. Just like we see in the body of the Lord Jesus, when God raised Jesus from the dead and death was completely and utterly destroyed from his body, never to be able to come back into it ever again. Father, Father, Jesus was awakening to judgment on the cross. And he cried out, Father, Father, because he was looking to the restoration of all things, where he would be restored to the life that he shared with the Father from the beginning. And the sin and death that had come upon this old man that he had entered into would be consumed to the uttermost, to the degree that it would be eternally destroyed inside of his body. And a new creation would be brought forth through him being raised from the dead. And there'd be a new man who was actually created by the righteousness in God's hand and not by the strength of a man's hand. And this new man would be the head of the new creation. And so that's what he's busy thinking of on the cross. And that's what these celebrations are about. You won't find a lot of Jewish guys connecting all that. You'll find them getting together and shouting, Father, Father. But if you study that a lot, you know, a lot of the rabbis will even say this. It doesn't really matter the words we're using. The important part is the shouting. The important part ain't the shouting. Father, Father is, into your hands I commit my desire for life. Right? (laughs) And so you combine them commemorating creation with them commemorating the restoration of all things. And what you have when you look at the, the whole of what the Jewish New Year is pointing to, it's not just commemorating creation but it's commemorating a new creation is what it's actually meant to commemorate. It's filling your mind with the God who creates. And it's filling your mind with the new creation that God created when he raised the man Jesus from the dead, never to be able to die again. And so the Jewish new year was pointing to the new creation, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city from above, wherein righteousness dwells and there's no remnant of sin and death anywhere because of the reign of God's indestructible life. That's what they're looking towards. That's what they're celebrating when they say Happy New Year and they don't even know. And so the new year is a celebration of a new creation. You can even say it this way, and I'm going to start saying this to people next year because you know what will happen? They'll be like, what are you saying? And then I can tell them, happy new creation. (laughs) Happy new creation. You can even say it that way. And what is designed to happen on that day when you're celebrating the new creation, the day that's commemorating the new creation, the new man, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, The day that's commemorating that, what's happening as you celebrating that, it's meant to make the first creation old. Old in your heart. Old in your conscience. And cause it to pass away from you. Where you forget about it. And you forget about the sin and you forget about the death. That's part of the old creation. Your conscience is purged. Right? Your conscience becomes purged. And what happens is, is you walk in the life that makes all things new. Your mind is filled with the life that makes all things new. And through your mind being filled with the new creation that is saturated with an incorruptible life, what happens is, is you walk in this world experiencing the life of God. Right? When you study out 
some of the reasons why they call it the head of the year. One of the reasons the Jewish people call the new year the head of the year, this is what they say about it. They say they call it the head of the year because they say it stands in the same relationship to the rest of the year as the head does to the body. So the head is to the body the same as this day is to the rest of the year. And what they say about that is, just as the head is the source of the life force of the person, and that afterwards, this life force that's in the head is distributed to each individual organ of the body. You guys connecting what that sounds like? Jesus is the head of the church from whom we receive nutrients, each part of the body. And so they say the head, that, and afterwards, the life force is distributed to each individual organ of the body. That's how they describe the head with relation to the body. What they say is, so also the head of the year, or Rosh Hashanah, that holiday the thing we're celebrating here has hidden within it all of the life force for the year. And that this thing we're celebrating this year is full of that which is going to apportion life to us for each individual day for the next year. <laughs> That's what they're thinking of. You guys following? And I love how Jay brought um, out Isaiah 43, because I hadn't had that as part of what I wanted to say. But Jay brought out Isaiah 43, and this is Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. This is what it says. It says, remember ye not the former things. It's kind of like with the, when it talks about Abraham. It says that he didn't consider the land from which he came out of. And if he had considered it, he would have found opportunity to go back to it. But he considered himself a stranger in a strange land, right? Um, the former things is the world that has been built upon sin and death by the hands of man, right? And so Isaiah says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. This is God talking through Isaiah to Israel. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, what was going on there, Isaiah was prophesying about the coming Babylonian exile. He was prophesying about when Israel was going to be taken captive and they were going to be, um, what do I want to say, displaced from the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Right? If you look back in Deuteronomy, one of the things that Moses uh, was trying to warn the children of Israel about, not to get into the land to think that the goodness that they had from the land was because of their own strength or because of their own ability. Well, what happened to Israel is they began thinking that the provision for life was found in the old land. That it wasn't found in God's hand, but it was found in the old land. And Isaiah is prophesying to these guys, listen, man, when you're going to be exiled, by Babylon, and you're displaced from your land, right? He's talking to them from that perspective. And there's a lot we could say about this. But with respect to the entire spirit of prophecy, those verses in Isaiah are pointing to Jesus and the work that God would do through Alpha and Omega. That's what he's talking about, right? And if you could say a lot of things about it, what I mean by that is you could say a lot of things about 
physical, the physical nation of Israel and what God was trying to say to them about that moment. And you could say a lot about the totality of what God's trying to speak to human beings. Because God was always trying to speak to all people through Israel. He was always trying to say something to all people through Israel. He was always trying to do that, right? And so God was trying to tell Israel that he was going to do a work through Jesus, through Alpha and Omega, to make a new creation. That's why he says, I'm going to do a new thing. Don't let your minds be filled with the former things, which is the land that you're displaced from. When you're displaced in exile, don't let your hearts be filled with sorrow, thinking that your provision for life is in that land. And that you've got to get back into that land so you can have life. Know ye not that I can bring forth rivers in the desert and I can make a way in the wilderness? You don't need the land for you to have life. I will do a new thing and I will give you a life that is not connected to that land. Right? As it says in Revelation 21, which is actually the fulfillment of what Isaiah is prophesying in 43. And this is what Revelation 21 says. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. That's the former things passed away, right? That he just talked about in Isaiah. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a a bride adorned for a husband. That's the new thing that God said he would do right? Don't let your minds be filled with what I did to lead you out of Egypt when I brought you into this land, because that's not actually the inheritance that I have for you. There is a heavenly inheritance, which is you're going to inherit a glorified earth, right? Revelation 21, 3 goes on to say, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Do not think of the former things. Do not think of this Jerusalem that is in this world, but there's a new Jerusalem that I'm going to make. There's a new creation I'm going to make. There's a new man that I'm going to raise up. Don't let your mind be filled with the former things when you're exiled and you're filled with torment, but let your mind be filled with the new creation. Revelation 21.5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. No, Isaiah's telling these guys, God's going to do something new. I know you like that land. I get it. The buildings were already built. The houses were already made. The vineyards were bearing fruit and you didn't plant them. Listen, man, that's not actually the thing we're after because there's still sin and death in that place. How do we know? Because the Babylonians still came and took us out of that land. God's busy doing a thing that could never be taken from you. God's busy doing a thing to give you something wherein there is no sin and death and only righteousness dwells. And then verse six goes on to say, and he said unto me, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. What do he say? I can bring forth rivers in the desert. Alpha and Omega come and said, I made all things new and I will give to those who were a thirst. Who were the people who were a thirst? Those are the people that are in the desert. Listen, guys, I know sometimes we struggle to connect this. I ain't in a desert in my heart. I ain't in a famine in my heart. 
Because God hath already made the new creation. And my heart is filled with the new creation. And the creation wherein sin and death found a way to get involved in has passed away from my heart. I've forgotten about sin and death to the degree that I think sometimes I make people uncomfortable with how small I make death out to be and how small I make the life in the world out to be. I think I make some people very uncomfortable. Well, listen, man. I love you guys, man. Well, it's, it's only fitting because, man, it made me very uncomfortable when I started talking about God about these things too, right? Because I was always busy thinking God had to do this, this, that, and the other for me to enjoy life. And then he showed me Jesus nailed to a tree and how even the death of that cross couldn't keep Jesus from peace and love and joy. And I said, Lord, it's impossible. You know what he said? With a man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I found that he filled my mind with the new creation. And you know what's not in the new creation? Death. And so you guess what you forget about? Death. Guess what happens when you forget about death? You forget about lack. Guess what happens inside of your heart? You start experiencing abundance. Because there's only abundance in God's incorruptible life. There is no lack. And so I'm sorry for making you feel uncomfortable. But the reason why I do it is because I want you to know the fullness of God's life and what he's done. And so the former things Isaiah's talking about with God, speaking through Isaiah, and what he's trying to say to those guys. He's saying, listen, guys, don't think of the land from which you are exiled. The land that death and destruction came upon. Don't think of that. It's kind of like their mind being filled with the temple. Like the temple was the power of God. The physical temple, right? It was like a sin to say that the temple could be torn down. And they're tormented about the temple being torn down. But the temple was always talking about God building a body for us that could never die. And so it would just be like saying, man, don't let your mind be filled with the temple that's torn down, but let your mind be filled with the temple God made with the strength in his hand, which is a body that can never die for you. Which body is reserved for you in the heavenly places, seated at the right hand of God? So don't think of the land from which you're exiled, the land that death and destruction came upon. Don't think of that city as if it's the provision for your life and as if the things you want for your life are found there. I will serve you with my life whether you're in that land or not. I will establish a new city, a heavenly city in the earth, one that is under the reign of an indestructible life. Let your mind be filled with the new thing I will do. Let your mind be filled with the new Jerusalem where heaven and earth are made one and sin and death are erased from the history books. Let your mind be filled with the new creation and the new man. You know what can't touch the new man? I mean, we'll just speak about things that are like front and center staring us in the face every day. COVID can't touch the new man. A jacked up government can't touch the new man. A jacked up country can't touch the new man. A famine can't touch the new man. Right? And so the former things that Isaiah is pointing to is the old man whose life is but dust and is perishing. Don't think of that old man, guys. New Year, when we say Happy New Year, Happy New Creation, the point is that our mind would be filled with the new man, right? And in our mind being filled with the new man, we would forget about the old man, whose life was but dust and was perishing. And we no longer see ourselves as having a life that's but dust and is perishable. 
We'll start seeing ourselves as having a life that isn't earthy, but it's made of a heavenly substance and it can never die, right? And so that's the former things. The former things is an earth that's shadowed with death. When we say happy new year, happy new creation, let us not think of the former things, which is an earth that's shadowed with death, but let us think about the new creation, the new earth God's going to bring forth through the man Jesus Christ. Right? The former things is a corruptible life. The former things is death in the body of death that sin built. And every time we say happy new year, we're supposed to be declaring the end of the body that sin built. We're supposed to be declaring the end of the old or the former things, which is a man that can die, which is an earth that is dying. And we're supposed to be declaring the new, which is an earth that's been baptized in the glory of God's incorruptible life, which is a man that can't die. This is what Hebrews 8 says, verse 13. And you guys all know this verse, but I'm going to extrapolate the totality of what he's trying to say here. Hebrews 8, verse 13 says, In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Just by saying new, you've made that one old. In that he saith a new, he hath made the first old. Now listen to what he says. That which has been made old, I'm reading in there, now that which is made old decays and waxeth old and is ready to vanish away. And it ain't just talking about vanishing away in reality. It's talking about vanishing away from your conscience. So why does God come talking about a new creation? Why does God come talking about a new man? To make the first man, Adam, that was subject to death old. And to make the first creation that Adam subjected to vanity old. And old meaning, in our minds, we've forgotten about it. Our mind isn't filled with the old creation that's subject to death. But our mind is filled with the new creation that is under the reign of an indestructible life. Our mind is not filled with the old man that's subject to the death and the calamity and the destruction of this earth. But our mind has become filled with the new man that reigns through the power of an indestructible life. Happy New Year! It makes the first one old! You know what torments all of us guys when we feel tormented? Our minds are filled with the old man. Our minds are filled with the old land. And you know why it torments us when our minds are filled with those things? Because those things are filled with death. And so we're heaping up for ourselves a big plate of death, which is like heaping up for ourselves a big plate of junk food. Listen, man, my brothers and sisters in Switzerland, I love those guys. And listen, guys, if you're watching or you watch later, do not stop sending me the chocolate. Do not misunderstand me. Okay? I want the chocolate, but this is a nice example. Okay? So I'm not despising the chocolate. But listen, man, those guys got nice chocolate. The chocolate we have here is like dung. Okay? I can't even eat it no more. It's almost like there's eternal life in their chocolate. And if, and if there is chocolate in the new heaven and the new earth, it's going to be from Switzerland. Right? That's why, that's why I got this. In fact, thinking of their new chocolate has delivered me from the, the pain of the old chocolate here. <laughs> but listen, they send me that chocolate and they send a lot. And I'm like, I start eating all of it. And as good as it is, when you eat that much chocolate, man, you don't feel good. You know what I'm saying? Because there's like no nutrients in it, really. It's just chocolate. There's a lot of sugar. 
And that's what it's like when our minds are filled with the old man in the old land, right? We're heaping up for ourselves a big plate full of junk food that there's no nutrients in, that even should we eat a lot of it, we'll feel bloated, right? And we'll feel, uh, we won't feel good. Tell me the last time you watched the news and felt happy. I'm just being honest. We keep watching though, don't we? Because we need to know. <laughs> we got to know. There's a reason why every time you watch the news, it don't make you feel good. Because it ain't the good news. <laughs> and it's filled with the old. It's filled with the former things. And the former things are filled with the life that's but dust. And if you're all the time crawling on your belly eating dust, you ain't going to feel good. Right? You're all the time making the, the deadness in your flesh the bread that can give you life. Right? And so when you say something is new, you're making the first old. And what that means is, it isn't just like, oh, you're making it old, that's nice. It's speaking about the effect it has inside of the human being. And so when, when you say something is new, you're making the first old. It means the first is being purged from your conscience and being pushed out of your conscience by the new. The new is coming to cleanse your conscience from the old. That's the whole point, right? It's being cleansed from your thoughts on account of being replaced with something new. Like when I had to write a check for rent for January. Do you know what I didn't put on that check? 2021. Do you know why I didn't put 2021? Because it's been pushed out of my head by 2022. You see what I'm talking about? So in that we say a new year. Guys, let us look back to what the new year was given by God to Israel. The new year was given to, by God to Israel to fill their minds with the new creation, the restoration of all things, so that they would forget the former things, which was an earth and a body that could die. And they gave, he gave them this so that they would come together and be filled with the thought of creation, and not just any creation, because the, the celebration of the new year pointed to the Day of Atonement which was the day that God would restore all things by baptizing the earth in a glorified immortal life. And so the declaration of Happy New Year, Happy New Creation, Happy New Man, Happy New Heaven and Earth, Happy New Jerusalem. Well, guess what's filled in all those things? The reign of an indestructible life. And so guess what your mind becomes filled with? An indestructible life. And guess what that distributes to you as you walk in the earth all your days? The nutrients of the life of Christ. And you know why? Because the old has been pushed out. In that we say a new year and a new creation, the first is being made old in our hearts. In that we say a new man, we make the first man, Adam, old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. The new year is about the thought of the man who could die vanishing away from our memory. The new year is about the thought of an earth that's under the shadow of death passing away from our memory. Where our mind isn't filled with the plagues that come from Babylon, but our mind is filled with the life that can't be overcome by the plague. <laughs> right? And your mind becomes filled with life instead of a plague. What do you think going to make you feel better? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I'll bring you some. 
because our, our, our dear friend and brother, Daniel, he sends a note. He knows me, right? Like he really knows me. I'll go stay with him for like a month. You get to know somebody, you know? Um, he knows me and uh, he sent a letter this last time. Now, don't eat this all in a, a couple of single sittings. And then he realizes that maybe I don't have the willpower not to do that. So he tells me, spread it out to other people. <laughs> Share. But honestly, man, it becomes like, there's not a lot of things I won't give everything of myself. But it's like, it's like when Becky makes the sauce. She makes the sauce and she makes these meatballs and she starts trying to like divvy it up and hand it out to my family. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like we do not, we cannot give that away. I said, we will give everything away. I will lay down my life, but we're not giving away meatballs. <laughs> you see the insanity <laughs> that is Greg? It's kind of like that with the chocolate. <laughs> you know how I justified myself in the midst of all that? Because I don't know if you guys realize that subconsciously we always want to feel justified. And if we don't understand that God has justified us, we'll start looking to be justified in all the things around us. Right? So Daniel sends me this note. Well, spread it out so you don't eat it all. And I'm like, I went and gave my dad like five little pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah, I spread it out. <laughs> I feel justified. <laughs> oh, man. So we'll, we'll finish with this. The new year, that's what we're talking about. And it's about a new creation. Because that's what they're celebrating. Creation. And the, 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 as they celebrate creation, they're crying, Father, Father, deliver us. From what? Death and destruction. And then as they're celebrating creation in the new year, in the beginning of creation, do you know what they're looking for? To the Day of Atonement, which is, you know what? The restoration of all things. When heaven and earth become one and the heavenly city, New Jerusalem, comes down. The new thing that God promised he would do all along. And so as they're celebrating the new year, they're supposed to be filled with a new creation. That new creation will purge your conscience. You don't got to try to purge your conscience. You know what you do? You make yourself available to think on the new creation and the new man. You make yourself available to talk about that with your friends, with your family members. You make yourself available to come and hear messages about it, to sing songs about it, to talk with Jesus about it, right? Because what will happen is, is that will do the work of purging your heart from the old. And at the times you feel stressed out about the old land and the old man, you start fellowshipping with the new creation, it'll push that old man right out of your thoughts and joy will return in the morning, right? Joy will return in the morning. So ringing in the new year is about looking to the new man who is created by the righteous deed of God. And the reason we look to that new man, like we just said, is so we forget the former things. And the former things is the body of sin and the body of death that was created by the strength of man when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happens is, is we be filled daily with the life that saturates the new creation. Remember how I talked about the head being that which supplies the rest of the body and the organs with the life force? Well, they call it the head of the year because the thing they're celebrating on this holiday is that which would distribute life to you for the rest of the year. <laughs> and so you know what will distribute the nutrients of life to you for the rest of your days in this earth? For you to forget about the old things and for your mind to be filled with the, the new man that was created by the righteous deed of God. 
when he raised Jesus out of the grave. Right? And this is what Paul says about all that. We don't connect all these verses. We struggle. We read all the verses choppy. We read this. We read that. What I've found in myself as a young guy that always read the scriptures and and people that I I talk to, we're good at reading this passage and that passage. We struggle to meld them together and see the whole thing. But this is what Paul would say about all that in Romans 6. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. By what? Forgetting the former things. What former things? The old man. Look what he goes on to say. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Listen, knowing this, that old man is crucified, put to death, passed away. (laughs) That the body of sin might be destroyed. That the power of him who had power over us through death might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not be servants of sin. Do you know how the body, the the power that the body of sin has to take you from rest? Do you know how it's destroyed? For you to forget about the old man. You know why? Because the old man's clothed in death. And if you forget about that old man, guess what you forget about? Death. Guess what the scripture says? The sting of death is sin. That we henceforth should not serve sin. I just want to change the end of that and what that would actually mean. That henceforth we should no longer be taken captive by sin through the body of death. And that he says, the old man, what is he saying? That the old man is ready to pass away. and is no more. And what does he say the effect of that is? That we're no longer taken captive by sin, which means we're no longer taken from rest. The reason why is because we see the body of death has been destroyed by the righteous deed God did to raise up the new man out of the miry clay, which is what it says about the new man, who was created in true righteousness. Do you know what? Listen, man, true righteousness is not talking about what you can do. It's not talking about you doing a holy or a right thing. What I'm doing here, you might think preaching or having a church is righteous. This is not true righteousness. When it says the man that was created in true righteousness, put on the new man who was created in true righteousness, it's talking about the man that was created or raised up unto life by God. The body that was built by God. The tabernacle that we have waiting for us, reserved for us in heaven. The new creation. So I loved how Jay said fresh start. If anyone's desiring a fresh start, that freshness you're thinking of is found in God and what he's done to make a new creation. It's not found in what you can change about your life. You may change some things about your life. Don't confuse that with the gospel. It's okay to change some things about your life, but don't think that change can give you the fresh start. It can't. The fresh start you desire is found in God and what he's done to make a new creation. Separate the two. Right? Otherwise, you're busy worshiping yourself. Listen, I like you. I think you look good, but I don't think you can bring forth life yourself. Right? So forgive me if I don't worship you like that. And I encourage you not to worship yourself that way. Right? 
So when we think of the new year and say, Happy New Year, guys, let us think of the resolution of God. We're all the time thinking of our own resolutions. Let us think about God has a resolution. Let us start asking God, what's your resolution, man? Because it seems like your resolution is the one that's filled with life and the one that's filled with the fresh start that I desire, right? It's not my resolution, it's your resolution. So let us think of God's resolve to create us in the image of what is seen in Christ Jesus. Let us think of the new creation that God has brought forth, God is bringing forth, that God shall bring forth. You know what it means to be outside of time? You're in the past, the present, and the future. Let us see God has resolved himself in Christ to do the work that was needed to make all things new. Let us no longer think of the old creation where there's the shadow of darkness and death. Let us be resolved to reckon the old man dead and passed away. Let us think of the new man God brought forth out of the ground when he raised Jesus up out of the grave, never to be able to be touched by sin again. Because that is what will saturate our life with the life of Christ. That is what will saturate us with a fresh start or the freshness we desire, right? That's what New Year's is about, guys. There's power in remembrance, right? The gospel ain't about coming to an intellectual understanding and once you understand, you close the book. No, no, no. It's about an ever-present reminding. Even when Peter knew he was going to be offered up soon, he said, I cease not to stir you up by way of remembrance. I've told you these things all before. Let me tell you again. And so God gave the feast to all the time fill the people with his work so that they could all the time be stirred up by remembrance because we can easily fall into the trap of remembering the former things, which is to be thinking of this world and to be thinking of the old man. And he understands why it could happen to us because we're in this land. And he doesn't want our minds to be filled with that. So we have these holidays to remind us. And New Year's is specifically about the new creation, the restoration of all things. When God shows up as a judge, and not a judge to condemn or a judge to punish, but a judge that establishes a righteous life for us. Let us think of that on New Year's. Let us think about the work God did when he raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Thank you, Father, for your word that is saturated with your goodness, that is saturated with your whole person. Thank you, Father, that that word abides in us, that your anointing abides in us, that we ain't trying to get an anointing, but that you have anointed us with the fullness of who you are by pouring out your Holy Spirit on us. Thank you, Father, that in this new year, that our minds could be filled with a new creation, that our minds could be filled with the new Jerusalem, that our minds could be filled um, with the new man. Thank you, Father that our steps be saturated with your life as we walk through 2022 and every year after. Thank you, Father, that in each coming new year, man, when we hear the countdown, everybody that hears this message will think about the new creation. Thank you, Father, that when they see those fireworks shooting off, they'll think about you coming to the earth and separating the darkness from the light. And they'll think about those fireworks are a sign of you baptizing this earth in the glory of your life. Thank you, Father, that though we don't see that life, we have that life now inside of us and that nothing can take it from us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Your time is valuable and precious. I appreciate it.